Welcome to the Asset Management Mastery Podcast. Your hosts, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell, have more than 50 years of combined experience in operations and management, and more than 25 years of real estate investing experience. This show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. All right. Today on the show, we have Spencer Hillegas. Welcome, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. And thank you, Gary. You know, this is a really great show so far, and I really appreciate the depth you guys go into. Very excited to be here. Awesome. Well, if you can start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. Yeah, happy to. So I currently lead Madison Investing. I'm actually based out here in the Bay Area in Alameda. It's right between Oakland and San Francisco. And so we've actually been in the commercial real estate side now for coming up on about four years. But prior to that, I actually grew up in a real estate household. And so my dad was a, one of the top residential brokers in the country. And I absolutely hated real estate after growing up in that environment. I ran screaming out of that into 13 years of technology. And so across five software companies, I was an operations and sales leader for quite a while. And I finally got the bug on multifamily and you know, finally went full-time finally, just about four months ago. So great timing, right? Going right into a black swan triggered event uh, recession. <laughs> so yeah, multifamily is the lifeblood now. And it's really just a blast every single day. But of course, you still hit some bumps in the road and you get some great learnings along the way. So excited to share some of those today. Well, welcome, Spencer. Let's talk about investor relations. How often do you communicate with your investors and how do you do that? Yeah, you know, I think it takes really two different tracks for me. The first one would be, you know, if you're in the middle of a hold period, you know, so we've done now 18 different projects. And of all those projects, I would say monthly has now become an expectation. You know, quarterly, of course, is like a traditional and actually effective cadence to communicate to investors, you know, in the LP group for any deal. So you want to send out minimum quarterly, we strive for monthly updates. And you're talking about occupancy rates, you know, you're talking about the trends for economic and physical vacancy. And you're talking about if there's a value add, you know, all of the deals we have done have been value add. And so how are you doing on those renovations? And so we do a, a monthly update for the vast majority of our projects. Now, there have been a couple, you know, we've done mostly single asset transactions. We've done one fund. And I would say a key distinction between funds and single assets is that on the fund, you know, it tends to be a little trickier to nail down a really specific set of timelines. And even getting into some of the operations can just confuse the LP crowd. As a passive investor first and kind of a co-sponsor GP second, I would just say, I really love to be understood. I'm not trying to sound smart. And I take that from a mentor that I actually had in my corporate career. And it just stuck with me for a very long time, guys. And like, it was like, is it more important to sound smart or is it more important to be, to be understood? And so I try to really go above and beyond and communicate with both authenticity as well as just keeping it clean and simple on the monthly updates. I will say on the informal side, everyone's going to do this differently. And this is the second track I was going to mention. It just takes text messages and real phone calls going beyond a transactional business relationship. Everyone talks about in business and particularly in real estate, how so much of this is about relationships. And it truly is. But going beyond that, like, do you actually take the time outside the scope of a deal 
to go and just ask, how are people doing? Like, how is their family? Are the kids doing okay? You know, I mean, now more than ever, amongst all of this stuff going on in the world right now, people want to know that others are there to listen to them and to empathize with them. And so I know I don't want to get too touchy-feely for this crowd. We're talking about asset management, but I, I do think that there's a human element to that as well. Absolutely. That's really good advice. In your communication to your investors, do you include like rent rolls or financial reports, or you kind of just stay away from them and just just give them some data points. Yeah, you know, I think a picture speaks a thousand words. And so whenever possible, if there is a really great single shot or like a series of photos you can put in Dropbox or Google Drive, if you just remodeled a unit, it's a first look at the new style of an interior renovation. You got to show that. That's huge. Even something as simple as new signage, maybe a new leasing office, amenities, like work on the amenities, all that stuff really, really resonates. And I think that putting that in matters a lot. You already nailed it on the reporting. Every quarter, what we strive to do at a minimum is send out, you know, rent roll, make sure people understand who's living there, who's paying. Also make sure that people get a profit and loss statement so they can understand the economics behind it. I will say that what's fascinating though, is when you share that type of insight, there's such a mixed bag of how people actually look at that stuff. You know, I would say that, I don't know what you guys experience, but across our whole portfolio, I would say maybe 20 to 30% max of the people who receive those reports actually dig into them. But if you don't send them out, that 20 to 30% will absolutely feel like they're getting shortchanged. And for all the right reasons, they should. I take a look at those reports when I'm purely an LP on a transaction and like I want to know kind of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take a look at it because I enjoy that stuff. But for the rest of them, they're truly trying to be passive. But so they want to see the highlights. Do you want to know when good news is happening? But even more so, they want to know when maybe not so good news is coming through. You know, like maybe there's an issue with deferred maintenance that was uncovered and you tell them about it two to three months after that happened. That's not something you want to sit on, right? So it's so critical to make sure that you're forthright. You know, don't just jump to conclusions and throw out an email that's half-baked, but you do want to bring up the bad news. You know, like I think the good news is, is always fun and easy to share quickly, but you got to share the bad news even more quickly with the right framing and with the right context. Agreed. Good advice. So you've been involved in a lot of deals. Tell me what two of the biggest lessons you've learned from working with the investors from the first deal to now having done quite a few. Yeah, you know, I think really qualifying as well as educating heavily upfront is everything. And I say that coming from a place of, I'll give you a very specific example. We had an, an investor who really wanted to go into a deal with us last year. He's actually based down in more in your neck of the woods, Gary. So he's in SoCal. And he had invested in other deals. He's actually a real estate agent by trade. And you know we had a great relationship. But in our third discussion, going into this one deal, and he was hot and heavy, he was ready, his capital was ready. He, he had looked through every possible piece of every document. And we get into this final discussion. And what I've learned from my experience that I didn't do early on, but I now do, and I'm so glad I did with this investor, was I was asking him, so where, if you don't mind me asking investor, what capital sources are you planning on using for this particular investment? And what that, what that conversation uncovered was that he actually was not on great footing. He had the ability to go and borrow to invest. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. There's plenty of smart ways for people to do that. But in this case, that led to the uncovering of a financial foundation that was very shaky for this guy. I never want to put someone in a position where they're investing with their last chunk of change, if it's their last 50, last 100K, because we're going into a transaction that's going to last five to seven to 10 years. 
that is not a win on either side. Going in anxious is going to lead to pain somehow. You're not even sure how, but it ended up happening where we got that discussion going. I heard that he was not on great footing. I strongly recommended that he does not move forward with this, given what I heard. He originally took that pretty poorly, um, as you can imagine. You know, when you go into a friend, if you're a real friend, I'd like to think you can go up and say, hey, man, you got a piece of lettuce in your teeth after you ate that salad. Uh, silly metaphor, but like he came back around on the following conversation and said, you know what, I think you're absolutely right. And I really appreciate you saying that and that, and that we didn't go for a deal. He is so highly engaged now. I'm thankful that he's actually gotten back into a better place. I still don't think he should necessarily be investing, but I think there will come a time where, where he will come back and you better believe he's now going to other folks in his strong network and saying, you know what, this is the firm that said I should not invest. And that goes such an incredibly long way. So, I mean, that was one example. I think the second example I'll give you guys, just because we talked more about qualifying up front a little bit, is making assumptions and, and being careful around just because you have a sophisticated investor, you know, and I don't want to get wrapped around the axle here differentiating between accredited and sophisticated. We're just generally talking about a person who is savvy, a person who's invested, you know, pretty substantial amounts of capital into maybe funds on the equities side. You know, if they're big stocks uh, investors, if they're traders, if they've done other types of fund investments, let's say, they know a lot and they are very savvy. They could probably run circles around me in terms of stock investing. So you can make the dangerous assumption, and I have made that dangerous assumption of thinking, they really get this stuff. You know, like they really get how these single deal, single asset, direct investment syndications, like they, they get it. They don't. And that's really on me to make sure that I'm taking the time, making no assumptions and really going slowly with them to educate us through how these things run and to be very nitty gritty specific. Two or three months after we kicked off a transaction from about early 2018 and this investor emailed me with a pretty terse email. <laughs> I won't name him, of course, but we have a good relationship now. And three or four months after we kicked this thing off, he was like, I don't understand. How come we're not getting this report and that level of granularity? He started asking me a level of questions that indicated he thought this type of investment was the exact same as like the index funds he might go invest in. He thought that he was looking at the same types of things over on the equities side. And we had talked about this stuff, but we didn't talk about it enough to really make it stick for him. And so that led to frustration and anxiety. And since then, I've completely built out a much more robust onboarding and education program when folks are first getting into our, into our flow and getting to know us in our investing club at madisoninvesting.com because it's better to do that up front than to have a frustrated person for five to seven years. You know, So I think along the way, you may learn some of those lessons the hard way when you're already in the deal. And so I just wanted to give you some, some meaty specifics around those two. Yeah, I appreciate your care and integrity, being proactive onboarding an investor versus you know having to, to deal with those consequences later where you have very few options. So that's, that's really smart. Exactly. What have you found is the most important factor, the most important thing to investors? I think being spoken to in a timely and adult manner. I think people can handle it if it's not great news. And so I think we've actually even talked about this before, Gary, but communication. When people are asked in our business, what's the most important thing to investors? Nine times out of 10, I've heard communication. And, but people don't really take the onion and peel that back further to talk about what does that really mean? Well, what it means is if something is not going well, you will go get the data first. You identify the root cause behind what's not going well. Just like I used to learn when I was doing you know, root cause analysis in my corporate career as a sales leader and operations leader, 
don't go report back to the senior leadership groups until you know the root cause of what's happening and how you're going to go address it and how long it's going to take to resolve that thing. And so that is what matters the most. I think people want to be treated like, like adults. On the financial side, assuming you've got the communication down, people want to preserve their capital. <laughs> people want to know the capital ain't going anywhere and that that is your absolute priority. You know, I think right now more than ever, there are in the context of the coronavirus pandemic and the market, you know, market forces at play right now, there's quite a few really competent multifamily operators out there that are have to having to make t- some tough decisions, you know, about how they want to structure, if they have to do, do changes to distributions. And these are all things that we don't wake up in the morning when I'm an LP and I've invested in a, in a project that I'm not active in. I don't like seeing hmm, my distributions aren't going to be coming in for a while, but I'm very okay with that if I'm told about it up front. And I know that it's in service of preserving the capital that I've invested. And so that's got to be the two things on that front is like communication, timely, root cause, solution oriented when I get it. And number two, it's just please preserve that capital. We all know there's risk going into a deal and investing our capital. But what what we uh, are not okay with is if it's put at risk because we're trying to meet a short-term goal as opposed to try to to deliver overall on the project. Great advice. I'm going to pass it along to Kyle to finish this up. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. All right, Spencer, we ask every guest this final question. What is your asset management superpower? It's got to be authenticity and communication. I will get on the phone with people if they have a question off the drop of a hat. And right now, more than ever, I'm having conversations with people daily. And that means that sometimes it's just a friendly catch up. They want to know I'm still here. And they want to know just because this big event is going on that I'm leaning in. And so I think the, the ability to be not only myself, but to give real direct answers. And if you don't have a good answer, I will just tell them, hey, you know what? I don't know yet. Yeah, but I'll go find out. Let's get you that answer back. So authenticity wins 100% of the time for me. Fantastic. All right, Spencer. Well, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about our investor relations today. In summary, I learned communicate monthly if possible. Be understood. Don't worry about being smart. And it's all about relationships and real relationships, right? Don't be transactional, but really get to know who your investors are, which I think is a huge deal, not just about the investment itself. So if you can tell listeners where they can find out more about you. Yeah, uh, they can find me on madisoninvesting.com. They can also follow me on LinkedIn. I'm super active on there and always posting my soapboxy thoughts. So they can find me on either of those places and I'm always happy to connect. All right. To all of our listeners, thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a like, subscribe and review so we can continue to grow this audience. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Asset Management Mastery Group on Facebook so you can reach Kyle and Gary and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, go to AssetManagementMastery.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Gary and Kyle, sign up on the contact page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.